Thanks, everybody, for tuning into the Shore thing here. It is February 8th. Warren Shore, Ryan Silva with you. Obviously, we'll talk a lot about the Super Bowl today, so get on track for that. We'll take a look at how our uh, prop bets went over the weekend. Uh, spoiler, not great, but we'll talk about that as well. You check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the iHeartRadio podcast app. So, Ryan, I know yesterday... Uh, is a tough day because your wife's birthday is on the Super Bowl, and I know how much she loves that. Yeah, it uh, it was you know it, it was Harry a couple weeks ago when we were trying to figure out what the plan was going to be, um, and I was like, well, you know, we we know what's going on, and she uh, she was well aware, so I tried my best to kind of make uh, the weekend, you know, Friday and Saturday as good as possible for her, and I think I did that. So Sunday, when Sunday came around, you know, we were all ready to go for the Super Bowl. And we went over to a friend's house. They had a little uh, get-together, and it's one of Jamie's really good friends. So they they made sure to uh, recognize that it was also her birthday, so that was nice. But, uh, yeah, every couple of years we got to – you know, it's something that you got to deal with. You just got to make sure you see it down the pipeline and make sure you don't swing and miss when it's uh, when it's coming. And I, like I said, I, I don't believe I did that. That's good. <laughs> uh, no, that's a good – that's a good uh, – that's a good thing. Um so, all right, do you want to get in the game? Yeah, we might as well, yeah. Obviously. So, 31-9, Bucks win the Super Bowl. What are your first thoughts? The thing that I kept going back to was on Thursday, I kept saying that I thought the biggest factor in the game was the Bucks D-line against the Chiefs offensive line uh, with all the injuries they had, and that seemed to be the deciding factor last night. Yeah, I'm going to take uh, it one step further back before we before we get to that point. Um, if the referee isn't the one flipping the coin, all bets should be null and void. Oh, <laughs> flip the coin. I don't know. Some loser, and it didn't even look like it flipped. It looked like it just kind of spun around in the air and uh, <laughs> landed on heads. And so, like I said, if, if, that, if the referee doesn't flip the coin, those bets should be null and void. Um, the national anthem at 217, I took the under at 216. Uh, that was tough. Um, we would have had it. I thought it went 216 on the dot. No, it, it, they they officially clocked it at 217. Ooh. Uh, whoever the the books, they, they really, yep. I would have uh, stayed. Wow, I, I know we had the, the official that guy. Yeah, first of all, the, these books are so fast. So fast. they must have a guy on Twitter. Oh, uh, you know they do. Yeah, they have. They they're keeping eyes on everything. Like how? But how they found that guy? Amazing. I saw it twenty minutes after it was like 10, 15 minutes after it was there, and I thought it might have been there. Nope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's. I realized what the guy was trying to do. He was trying to help everybody, but uh, it's like, buddy. I mean, come on. You just kind of hurt everybody because it was at one one fifty nine. That blew past it was the original line, yeah. and so it's like, you know, he cost a lot of people a lot of money. There, guy. Do you but think at- that guy bet? That guy had to have. But here's the thing: I'm more mad at that guy for not betting the over and then posting it. Because yeah. th- that guy did not bet the over in the anthem before he posted it. Probably not. And that makes me more mad. Dude, keep it to yourself a little bit. You make money off of that and then post it to see if other guys can. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It does. Like he just he did he didn't even take advantage of it. Like genius move for him to, to figure out when they're testing the anthem out. 
Yeah. But also, what is he thinking? Does he not think the book the bookmakers are not going to change it when they when they see that this guy is getting a ton of retweets and everything's going to the books? Like, use your head a little bit, guys. Exactly. Dumb. Like, yeah, I, I'm here for your help, gamblers. Okay, great. Guess what? The line at 159 was gone immediately when you tweeted that. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it shot up by 16 seconds, 17 seconds, which was huge. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. When, as soon as I saw that video, I, you know, I rushed over to, like you said, to try to see if it was still there and no, it was gone in a eye blink, you know, it was, yeah. uh, the blink of an eye. So tough scene there, but, uh, yeah, getting back to the game, it was, it, you know, was a hundred percent that defensive line getting after, uh, Mahomes and, and a lot of times they weren't even blitzing, but for, you know, they weren't blitzing. They were sending their four guys, uh, sometimes a fifth guy. And uh, Mahomes was absolutely running for his life. I saw a stat uh, earlier this morning that he he ran away from he ran for 497 yards to get away from uh, to get away from uh, uh, the defenders. Pat Patrick Mahomes did like that is wild that he had to run that much scramble that much. I mean, he already moves around the pocket a lot as it is. Um, and sometimes he almost, you know, a couple of those times he almost made some spectacular plays, obviously the play, uh, to Daryl Williams when he, you know, is literally parallel with the ground before he lets go of it. And it hits him right in the, right in the face mask, uh, scoots away from the, to, from the pass rush on a big third and nine and has, uh, Kelsey down the sideline for about 15 or 20 yards, hits him in the hands and falls. Uh, that was in the first half. But, uh, you know, he was trying to make it happen. It just wasn't going to happen. Like, those guys were just playing on another level. And uh, not having your, your starting tackles, it turns out, is kind of kind of hurts the team when you don't have that. Especially, like, they've been without Mitchell Schwartz for a while. But being without Eric Fisher, your other tackle, at least, yep. that you know is going to be reliable on the edge. Um, huge, huge loss. I saw Shaquille Barrett, NFL Next Gen Stats. Head out. He had on his pass rushes a 19 or no, it was 24% pressure rate. That is insane. He only had one sack in the game. Mahomes only got the sack three times, but yeah, a ninth, 19 or 24% um, pressure rate throughout that game. That's insane. That is insane. And it didn't even look like Mahomes had time to set his feet sometimes. He was always run like mm. he would get the snap, drop back, do his like three step drop, and then he'd just be running for his life. Yeah, that that pass, the one that hit Williams in the face mask, that picture that's going around with him just on the like literally parallel is that's an all time picture. Absolutely. And I still think that's like an all obviously Williams not catching it. If he catches that, even if the Chiefs lose, that's an all time Super Bowl play. If not, maybe maybe the best ever, like all time. I still think. It's a borderline like all-time play just on the fact that he was able to throw it and threw it on a line to the – there were three hands around it, and it yeah. hit him. I don't really think Williams thought it was coming that fast. <laughs> like seriously, he yeah. goes, this guy's throwing it like this. And that was a seed to him and just total letdown, just hitting him in the face, man. just terrible. Um, but I – I – uh I was really surprised that the Chiefs weren't able to move the ball on all, or weren't able to score on offense. I've I've scored a touchdown. Like if you would have said they weren't scoring a touchdown, like I don't think anybody would have thought that. Absolutely like, not. I mean that that's just a shocking offensive performance. And a lot obviously a lot of credit goes 
to the Bucks. But it, it seemed like the Chiefs stuck with the game plan, and there was not a lot of adjustments. Now, I don't know what you could have made adjustments, but, yeah, they started to run the ball a little bit more in the second half, but run the ball a little more was because they were barely running the ball at all in the first half, which is fine. That's, they don't really run the ball out, but it seemed like they didn't try any. Maybe you could work in a couple screen passes. We've seen in the NFL the tight end screen. Nobody can cover a tight end screen. You saw it last night with the Bucks. We've seen it all season long. Tight end screens, you're getting at least 15 yards on a tight end screen if you execute it properly because no one comes. It just didn't seem like they tried to mix it up at all with maybe, hey, you know what? These guys are they were getting a lot of pressure from the front four or five. Maybe let's mix in a couple screen passes to try and get them off guard. Nope, none of that. So I I was surprised at how lack of how the lack of uh adjustments on the offensive side of the ball for the Chiefs were last night. Yeah, it was kind of like what I mentioned on Thursday. Uh, you know, when I said you have to be able to throw in enough wrinkles that you're not predictable, but you still gotta stick with who you are. And the uh, the, the chiefs just didn't throw any in any of those wrinkles. They were still trying to run the same stuff over and over and over again. Uh, you know, they were finally able to get the ball in Tyreek's hands a couple times. Uh, and he, you could see he just, he was trying to find a hole, trying to find a hole when it, once he got the ball and just wasn't able to, to break loose. Um, but, uh, even early, you know, usually when they start off early, it's, it's feed the ball to Kelsey, kind of get him working into a, into a rhythm, but I don't think he had his first catch till the second quarter. Um, and which is, four or five. what's that? He had five, I think, in the second quarter. Right, yeah, but he didn't get his first one till then, sure. and, and um, you know that's that. Uh, you know, the the first what maybe seven, eight, ten minutes, we was just like, okay, you know, it was like boxers. You know, they're sitting there feeling each other out. Both offenses really weren't doing a whole lot. Uh, I think he had three or four punts in that first quarter too, and uh, and then finally Tampa Bay's offense starts rolling a little bit. They go down and score, and you're like, all right, here's here's where they start. You know, they start throwing the punches, and it just never came. Now, again, there's a couple of those plays and a couple of those drops that would have changed the game or at least changed the landscape of the game at that point. Um, and, you know, then you don't know what happens from there on out. But it was just it was just remarkable to see. And, you know, obviously that pick at the end that sealed the deal, that's Patrick Mahomes trying to force the ball into Kelsey. So, I mean, I don't really – you know, you can't fault him there. You know, you got – you're out you're you know within what two minutes and uh you're just trying to score to see if you can give yourself a chance even though they're down 20 at that point you know there was really nothing they could do um so you know i don't put that on him but still it was just it was wild how well that defense played i don't know if tyron matthew kind of juiced up uh tom brady a little bit when he came at him and uh the next thing you know he's putting a touchdown in ab's hands right on tyron matthew it was just it was just another level of uh, performance, I think, from Brady and that Bucks, that Bucks defense, especially. I mean, they were they were sick. They were all over the place. And I also, th- the second quarter turned into a rest show. If we're being completely honest, yeah. I mean, there was a couple ticky tack calls that passed. That that was an interception. That was the way they were playing. Let them play. On the the uh, interception there, yeah. There and then then there was uh, the pass interference. Terrible call. When uh, the guy falls down, their feet get locked up, and he falls down and and, and knocks, knocks down Mike Evans, and that ball didn't seem catchable. Um, but the one then, thing I will then, say, and then the pass interference in the end zone, in the end zone, Brady's yeah, throwing it and it hits the back of the hits the hits the yeah. wall, hits the wall, yeah, stands like that's not a that's not a catchable ball. Like it turned in the second half or the second quarter turned into a little bit of a re- turned into a ref show, and and all the calls were going in Tampa Bay's favor. And I'm look. I'm still convinced Tampa Bay wins the game without those 
without those calls. But it seemed like it, it those calls didn't hurt the effort for Tampa Bay to win the game. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But, you know, it, I think in the second half, you know, there were still quite a few penalties called. And so everyone's like, oh, you know, the, the refs are making this about them. The refs are making like just when they're whenever there's a lot of penalties, people automatically go to oh, the refs are making this about them. You know, some of those calls in the second half, I don't think were as egregious. There's a couple holding calls. But again, that that can always go one way or the other. Um, do you want to hear like one of the craziest, wildest things that I've ever heard from somebody during the game? You'll yeah. you'll enjoy this. Um, so, you know, obviously all these calls are going towards, uh, you know, going for the bucks and the bucks are benefiting from all these calls. This dude at the Super Bowl party goes, you know what? I've always considered Tom Brady to be the Clintons of the NFL. And I go, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? What? Like, what, what do you mean? He goes, every time they're in the Super Bowl, something happens to somebody, you know, somebody gets sick, you know, this or that. He's naming all these different things. He goes, the thing that happened on Thursday with Andy Reid's son, like, it's just a little suspicious. And I go, buddy, like, like, I was just stunned. Like, I just stood there in silence. Like, this guy cannot be for real. And knowing this dude, like, he was for real. He's a big Alex Jones guy. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. So, and a big, you know, just a big, uh, you know, conspiracy theorist type like that. But when he said that, my jaw literally hit the ground like, buddy, like what? Like, I was just baffled. But it was hilarious at the same time that that's what he said and uh, and came up with. And I was like, so he mean, thinks the Andy Reid is Andy Reid's son being drunk at the wheel of a car and injuring a five year old. And uh, getting in a car wreck is a is a is a plant by the Brady's. By the Brady's, yeah, exactly. Look, if it is, which I don't, it's obviously not. <laughs> pretty amazing that they could do that. Of all yeah. coaches on the roster, on the on the staff. Yeah, you're well. You all, know, it would be too obvious to do it to the enemy or uh, you know the defensive coordinator. Goal. Yeah, or or Andy Reid himself. So why not do it to literally the the coach that's kind of like farthest away, but also the closest to Andy Reid. So yeah. That would take some some masterminding there, but uh, that I, I wanted to make sure I brought that story up. And while we we're talking about the penalties going towards the Bucks, I felt like that was a good spot, but that was just baffling. I don't think we had any. We had a couple. We had I think four or five people over. Uh, yeah, probably five five people. I don't think we had any egregious uh, any egregious things that were said yesterday. Um, the the uh, the bigger problem is. And we've had this now for two years. If people have came over our apartment, that's so we get the we'll we'll get food. So we had wings, some pizza, um, and a couple other the Trader Joe wings. First of all, hot and spicy wings in the air fryer, dynamite. Yeah, so try those. Up. The air. Do you have an air fryer? You have oh, buddy, we've been on the air fryer for about three years now. I know it's a game changer. It really is. We've talked about this before, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that's the air. The air fryer is a, a chef's kiss to the air fryer. Um, but so I also said I was like, hey, I don't think we're gonna have like chips out for everybody or like no charcuterie board, whatever. A lot of hands touching. Not saying everybody was pretty much a caddy, kind of been in the same bubble or whatever. But just for whatever, not uh, not a lot of hand. Not a lot of chips in the bowl. Everybody's getting hands in there. So if you want chips, bring your own chips, whatever. Bring your own beer. There must be a problem with some of the some of my moron caddy friends. Last year, a dude rolls up in like the middle of the second quarter when he got out when he got out of work work or at the beginning of the second quarter, just brings McDonald's with them. Stops on the way after work, gets <laughs> McDonald's. I don't know if you guys would have food or not. 
buddy, today, today again. So we do the the like a prop prop sheet contest, ten dollars or whatever, twenty five yeah. props on there. And we were like, oh, we got to call him uh, before he before. Before he gets here, so we get filled out. So we call him. I'm like, dude, where are you at? I hear him like ordering. I'm like, bro, we have food here. Get out. He goes, I'm in the McDonald's drive thru I'm like, what is up with these people? Want to go to McDonald's? I'm thinking we're going to have food over. Yeah, that's a wild move. Isn't that crazy? That is. Like, like the fact that he, I mean, I don't, yeah. The way people's brains work sometimes is just, it's just shocking uh, sometimes. Cause like, why would you, why would you have people over and not have food? You know what I mean? Yeah, and we said, like, hey, we have food, but the only thing, like, if you want chips, bring yeah. your own chips or bring your own beer or whatever. It's like yeah. we we said we had food. I was just baffled again by it. I'll tell you what. Uh, so Jamie and I were really looking forward to pizza uh, for uh, the Super Bowl. But the uh, my buddy's house that we went over to, they had Chipotle catered. And I'll tell you what, that really? is – that was that nice. was a that was, yeah that was a great move. So yeah. uh, you know you may want to consider that next time because like That's I said that was move. that was that was not bad at all. We had salad pizza. Oh yeah, it's lots of it's lots it's of money. Lot, whatever it's called. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Uh, yeah, it's it was really good. Um, but Chipotle, that's a good. Uh, that was yeah, it was a great move. So next year, I think we're just gonna do what Trump did for Clemson and just cater a bunch of fast food. <laughs> since it seems like everybody's bringing McDonald's over. So Some, yeah, yeah, just a bunch of Big Macs, a bunch of chicken sandwiches, some filet fish. Absolutely. Well, then he also went to Wendy's too because you got to diversify that portfolio, um, that fast food portfolio. So we'll mix in some Wendy's, uh, Junior Bacon Cheeseburgers or something. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, just whatever. Just a total baffling. Uh, I'll point. tell you what, you work with some characters over uh, with those caddies. The caddies are characters, let me tell you. Are you surprised, though, that caddies are characters? Uh, zero percent. Zero percent. <laughs> yeah, there are some there are some characters. Uh, there are some real characters over there. All right, so back to – what more is there to talk about about the game, really? I mean, that, they, really, there isn't. I mean, it was like, just – It was pretty boring of a game. I don't really know what else to talk about. What about the halftime show? What did you think of the halftime show? I thought it was pretty good. Oh, God. So we were texting about this. I thought it was very good. So on Thursday, I mentioned that how I thought Blinding Light was going to be the first song. Because it had seemed like in the past halftime shows, they started with the song that they were doing in the commercial. Was I not wrong about that? Not at all. No, it yeah, not like at all. like there was like a pre-packaged like intro. And then they come in and they're on the field and they still write in that song. Well, there was no commercial like leading into the weekend. The week mm-hmm. there was that church choir thing. I thought the weekend was great. And if you go back and listen up Thursday, I was getting in an argument with the, the caddy who was over last night. We were golfing and he said Blinding Light was going to be the last song on the list or last song that the weekend played. And I said, no, I don't think it is because they've been playing the commercial the whole time. And they, from a production standpoint, this is what they've done in the past. I can remember it. And so last night, they don't start off with Blinding Light. That was fine. But, of course, they ended with Blinding Light. And we just were – we were sitting next to each other. And we were just howling, laughing at that. I even texted you. Yeah. Uh, a tough scene for Blinding Light being the last song. It was – look, it was funny. Hand up. I admitted I was wrong. I gave him credit that he was right. But – I've and my whole preference was that based on a production standpoint, why would that be the last song? 
No, I agree. And and the song that they started off with, you know, Starboy was his hit a couple years ago off sure. his Starboy album. So that's not a bad one either. Yeah. Um, but no, I was I was surprised uh, that that was that wasn't the leadoff hitter as well. But uh, no, I agree. I mean, I I I tweeted out. I said that's the best halftime show in twenty years. I like I I thoroughly no, enjoyed no, it. No, it's not. And which one was better? Twenty years ago, Prince. No, of course that's the chalk pick. That's Prince the stroke. No. No, I, I watched the Prince one live. I remember it. It was good. You could watch it again. It was fantastic. It was very good. This one was better. <laughs> well, it's, okay. Look, I thought the weekend was very good. Um, I thought one of the I thought one of the first time Bruno Mars has done it twice, right? I believe so. I thought the first time Bruno Mars did it was great. Then JT was good. Look, I thought this one was very good. I have no complaints. I enjoyed it. Um. I thought he was going to bring someone out there. I was kind of disappointed there was no like a uh, guest appearance, but um, I thought it was very good. I thought it was a very good. I'm not saying it was the best in the 20 years, but I thought it was a very good halftime show. Yeah, no, I, I like obviously, like I said, I, it, I yeah. absolutely was. I agree, and there was a bunch of people hating on it. I don't know, this. I don't know what people expect or what they want the halftime show to be. Like, I don't, I, I just, the people that don't, like, it just seems like there's always a, a, a group of like it, the halftime show always splits people half and half. Like, uh, you know, there's either people that are like, Hey, this is great. Or people are like, Oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like this stinks. Seriously. Uh, this is the first time I've ever wanted the weekend to end. Ha 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 ha. Like, yeah, that was dumb. Like, come on. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, this is, you're ridiculous. But, well, uh, I thought it was good. Uh, yeah, what is a halftime show that people are going to like universally hate or what are you universally love? Because it's it's based on your musical like preference. Like, yeah. yeah, your musical preference. So look, when they after the Janet Jackson thing, they went to like classic rock and they rolled Bruce out there, the Who, the Stones, Tom Petty, like all those are very good. Um, we're very good halftime shows, but. Now they're like, oh, we need to get the younger people in. So they roll out Bruno Mars stuff. Bruno Mars was great. JT, Katy Perry was fine, whatever. But it's just like the weekend was good last. But what do you, what is a halftime show that everybody like universally loves? Other than Prince, everyone universally loves, other except for Ryan, I guess, right now. Um, I, I said it was very good. I thought I enjoyed it. <laughs> I know, I know. But like, what is, is there an artist out there that could roll out and you're like, oh, you know what? Everyone's going to love this halftime show. You know, what? It, I, I don't think so. I think it would have to be a combo show where it would have to be like like Justin Timberlake and the Rolling Stones. You know, like it would have to be where How you about could, when I got one. I got one. Taylor Swift and Paul McCartney. I don't think anyone's going to hate that. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of Taylor Swift hate out there. I know you're I in your Swifty bubble. But... Sir Paul, how can you hate Sir Paul? And they've like collabed a little bit together. I don't know. I think the Venn diagram of people that don't like Taylor Swift and the people that don't care or know who Paul McCartney are, there's a big cross section in the middle. Um, You could be right. But uh, yeah, I, who is, who who is one that's going to hate? Like, didn't people hate on the Travis Scott one? Oh yeah. That one I thought was okay. I didn't think that was, that was, I thought that was fine. But uh, like, I don't know who is, who you're gonna get exactly exactly that's what i mean like it, it doesn't matter like it, it no matter what you do or what the nfl does or what the performer does there's always gonna be people there and, and like if you look back at like most halftime shows like like the ones that are good i don't know what makes them so good you know what i mean like what what is what sets them apart from other ones other than just who the musical act is 
that's it. Exactly. Right. So I mean, so you're you're always gonna have it have it split. I think no matter what. Um. Yeah. So I I enjoyed it. Did you have a, a commercial or whatever that you enjoyed? I will say commercials. I was not really locked in on the commercials yesterday. A lot yeah, of no, actually, I wasn't either. Yeah, a lot of chat in between, um, in between the game. Uh, not a lot of commercials. I did. I did see the Jason Alexander one. I thought that one was very funny. I missed that one. He was a tied. He was on a tie. He was on a hoodie, and like he would do live facial expressions for. Like if the guy was doing the warm on a hoodie, you'd do like the facial expression if you're doing the warm or whatever. Mm. And it was on his hoodie, and then it was a tie that he put in the wash, and it was Jason Alexander. Mm. Yeah, Very no, funny. I missed that one. Uh, the one that the, I mean, the the one commercial that didn't air apparently, but it was quote unquote banned, which I think a lot of companies put those out so that they don't have to pay for the Super Bowl space, but they they can call it a banned Super Bowl ad. Was the T-Mobile uh, Tom Brady and Gronk one? That one was pretty funny. I'm sure you saw that, didn't you? Yes, I did. That one I thought was pretty good. But uh, yeah, I, now that I think about it, I can't remember any commercials that were really that really like blew my mind or that I even remember. Yeah, I the Jason Alexander one. I think there was a there was a Cheetos one that made some. Oh yes, the 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 uh, the um, the Shaggy the one. Yeah. Yeah, with with uh, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, that one was pretty good. Yeah. Other than that, I'm not really remembering um, a lot of them. Yeah. All right. And before we get to our props, how do you think Bill Belichick's feeling this morning? So or Robert and Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft. He said. I mean, he actually came out publicly and said that um, uh, that he was rooting for Tom. He had spoken with Tom and things yeah. like that. So uh, I'm not surprised know, by that. Crap. Yeah, not not at all. And the whole Belichick thing, like, I'm sure it probably stings a little bit, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't know how much he really cares. And the people that are, you know, making this Brady versus Belichick, you know, Brady now has one up over Belichick. I don't see it that way. Did Brady win one without Belichick? Absolutely. Does Brady win six without Belichick? Probably not. Does Belichick win six without Brady? Probably not. Does Brady win this one without Belichick? I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like without those previous six and all that time he spent under Bill Belichick, I don't think Tom Brady is Tom Brady without Bill Belichick. So I think making it one versus the other is kind of dumb because I think they both need each other. And right. And 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 I know it's it's it doesn't make sense now because Tom Brady went one one without Bill Belichick, but he's not Tom Brady, I don't think, without Bill Belichick. Well, that's the but you're looking at it from the grand scheme of things. Their careers are now Bill Belichick had the decision of do I keep Tom Brady as my quarterback or do I not? Right. And he said no. And guess what? The guy went the next year and won a Super Bowl. But I think Brady wanted out as well, too. You know, it's like one of those uh, – it's one of those uh, – yeah, you know, wanted, we, we, I, we, we broke up. It was kind of mutual. Like, they, like, she brought it up, but it was totally mutual. You know what I mean? Like one of those. Again, I go to the fact that you win six Super Bowls with the team. You want to finish your whole career there. You don't want to do – the you don't want to go to another team i'm serious like why do you like i he obviously want to take a super bowl with the bucks but it's like you want to play your whole career with that one team when you've had that much great success everyone wants to do that and so how can isn't and this is more of belichick now not the coach 
but as the executive. Like, he's a terrible executive the past five years. Like, he's go look at his drafts. They stink. Oh, yeah, like, that, that's always been the thing. Yeah, he, like, he's not very good at the draft, and that's why he's always willing to give up draft picks. For sure. Like, go back and look for the past five. And I'm not saying about Belichick, the executive, in, like, 2007, 8, 9, 10, whatever. Like, just since 2015, like, he's been pretty bad. And the whole, like, oh, we'll bring in the troubled guy and we'll fix him. That's long gone. When's the last troubled guy they brought in that's, like, actually worked out? They took a shot at Antonio Brown, cut. They took a shot at uh, Josh Gordon, kept going down the same path. The Patriots way didn't, didn't fix Josh Gordon. Like, who is the last guy other than Randy Moss, really, that they've taken a troubled player and turned him around into something? Like, that's long gone. And him as an executive, you know, maybe if he drafted a couple quality wide receivers or, I don't know, signed a couple in free agency, Tom Brady wouldn't have to leave because he felt like these receivers are trash and my offense is good enough around me where I can win. And he goes to a team perfectly built for him. Like, that Bucks offense is perfect for him with Godwin, Evans, uh, Bray, and they bring in Gronk. The defense is there. Great defense last year. They just had a quarterback in Jameis who was turning it over so much. Like, that team was perfect fit for Tom Brady. And he goes in and does what he does and wins a Super Bowl. And Belichick, I know it's just the thing is, they're always going to be compared, or they're always this post part since they're safe, since they've been separated is going to, you're going to have to compare them. And it's not of saying, like, I agree. Of is Brady who he is without Belichick? Probably not. Is Belichick who he is without Brady? No, they don't, they're not one in six if they don't have each other. I totally get that. But you can look at how it happened, how the separation happened, and how Brady was willing to make some sacrifices. Always Brady was always the one willing to make sacrifices for the team. But Belichick, it never seemed like was willing to make any sacrifices to Brady. And and to me, the whole point of football in the NFL is to win the Super Bowl. One guy's holding the Lombardi trophy, the other guy went eight and eight. So it's it's for the decision of letting Brady go. I think it's pretty easy of who won the decision and who was the smarter person, or who's 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 laughing this morning. It's Tom for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think because I think it makes it, um, I don't know, easier. Or I mean, I it, look, getting to the Super Bowl and winning your first year with a team is not easy. That's not what I want. That's not what I'm getting to say here. But I think it would be a whole lot different if the Patriots had traded Tom Brady away, right? If they trade him to San Francisco or they trade him somewhere and he goes and wins a Super Bowl, then it's really like, holy shit, like, yeah, you really blew it on this one, Bill. But because Tom Brady was able to go pick where he wanted to be. and Because, because they I, didn't resign him. They right. No, no, I agree. No, no, him. and I agree, and I agree. So, uh, you know, like you said, that Bucks team was built perfectly. Everyone was saying last year, like, hey, if this team has a decent quarterback, like, they're making a good run. That defense was good last year. Like you said, you had all those weapons, and they added – they bring in Antonio Brown. They bring in Gronk. You know, they add a couple pieces. Leonard Fournette, uh, they bring in this year, who obviously had a huge part – a huge hand in their success in the in the playoffs. Um, you know, they bring in and add these other big pieces around him as well. I think that's what makes it a little bit different because he was able to go and handpick where he went. And now, like I said, I agree. They didn't want to resign him, and so that was, you know, that's what he was able to do. But I think that changes it just a little bit in my eyes as well. But but the reason he, again, I'm, but the reason he was able to handpick was because the Patriots chose to part ways with him. Yeah. Like, like. No, I- Belichick had the chance to resign him and said, nope, I'm not resigning you. We're done. Go pick wherever you want. And credit to Tom for picking a good situation. But, again, the pay- you don't let a quarterback go that has said 
four years. He wants to play till he's at least 45, and he's 43 right now, and you know that, and you don't plan around, man. You just want to move on. Like, that doesn't make sense. I mean, it's it, – I don't know. I think it's a catch-22 either way because what if you hold on to Tom Brady and then he stinks and you're still 8-8 eight and eight, or, you know, you let him go and – just because he said he Tom wants- Brady, so that's fine. I'd rather just- take the risk of Tom Brady than trotting out Cam Newton who can't throw a forward pass. Yeah, yeah. And then guess what? You ha- here, isn't the hardest thing in the NFL to find a quarterback? We both know it from our franchises. <laughs> yeah. You had a guy that won six Super Bowls, and you're trying to find a quarterback. Like, just think, like, look at that. You have the greatest quarterback and the greatest winner to ever play in the NFL. You have him on your team. You don't need to let him go. And you let him go and try and find another quarterback. And your first move to find a quarterback is, oh, I'm going to bring in Cam Newton, who's coming off shoulder surgery, and the last time we saw him could barely complete a forward pass. Like, come on. Yeah, no, I mean, like, look, those points are all very valid and not wrong. But like I said, I don't know. Again, it does hurt. It does hurt. You know, you let you let him go, and, and he wins the Super Bowl literally the very next year. But I, I just don't know, again, in the grand scheme, how much – Bill really cares. I'm sure Robert Kraft cares a whole hell of a lot more than than Bill Belichick. Uh, I know Tom Brady is probably you know smiling, thinking, "Yeah, look, you guys wanted to sure. get rid of me. You guys didn't want me here. Look at this. I'm hoisting not only another Lombardi, but another Super Bowl MVP. Um, and I'm doing this at 43 years old. So, which was- like maybe we're so maybe I'm too in follow too many barstool clowns on Twitter or whatever. But how these people can be celebrating this? Like, oh this my god, makes me want to puke. Makes one of the Patriots Super Bowls. Get out of here! Like maybe I'm just too into that. Just gar whatever. But like no, no, out. it's not because uh, because uh, clown show. Absolute clown show. Uh, you know, uh, my buddy Parker, he's a, now he's on a little more mild basis. Cause he, he, you know, he's a Patriots fan. His family's from Boston. They all grew up there before they moved to Arizona. And so, you know, they've been Patriots fans through and through. And he was saying, he's like, yeah, I'm rooting for Tom Brady. You know, like, you know, if he, ha- if he wins one, I'll be happy for him. But these, these people online that were Patriots fans are like, they're saying, Oh, I'm a Tom Brady fan. I'm a Tom Brady. They're celebrating just as hard as they would have. If the Patriots would have won makes me want to puke. For sure. Like, it's just disgusting. My, my roommate, he's a Patriots fan. I think he was indifferent. He wanted Tom to win, but it wasn't like he was celebrating it like it was a Patriots. The real people I respect, I have seen a handful of people that are like, no, screw Tom Brady. Like, he can eat it. You know, he can suck it. So, you should do that because why do you want him to succeed when he's not with your team? Yeah. Like, that just proves that you made the wrong decision. Or, yep. like, we just – we that could be – how are you not thinking that you're a Patriots fan? You're like, man. You know what? Maybe we get a couple. We get a couple receivers in here because that's really what they needed—a couple more receivers. Um, and you don't think if Brady comes back, those guys on the defense aren't opting out? Oh yeah, for like, sure. Yeah, they're sticking around. Those guys are playing. Yeah, those guys are playing. So how can you not think, man? You know what? We could get a seventh Super Bowl. Wow. And you no, know, no, no. We just our coach decided. Nope, we don't want him anymore. I just, I can't believe. But it's I not even like a comparison still- to LeBron. It's not even like a comparison to LeBron. Like when LeBron won with the Lakers, I was happy for it, but I was I was like, oh, good for LeBron, but I'm not celebrating like Yeah. Like, oh my god, I'm this is like the, like the, the Cavs, Cavs sixteen yeah. title or anything. Yeah, look, I hope LeBron wins a couple, but now I'm to the point where do I really want LeBron to win anymore? Because every other franchise he played for is gonna have more championships than the Cavs. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, but but also too on the other on the other hand, 
if Tom Brady does stick around on the Patriots, are they beating the Chiefs and make it to the Super Bowl this year with the oh. weapons that they have? No, but don't you think they at least make the playoffs and they're better than eight and eight and they're more absolutely, consistent? absolutely. No, they they definitely do. And like you said, because those defensive players, they probably don't opt out. They're probably coming back and and playing this year. Um, but so that's why I think in the end, this was obviously. I mean, obviously, no shit. He won a Super Bowl. This was a better choice for Tom Brady. But even if, like I said, even if he would have come back, there's he's not. He's not, if he stays with the Patriots, I don't think they win another Super Bowl. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know because I think they could change their roster around. And there's still there still is the mystique about there still was even though they lost at home to the Titans, there still could be the mystique of hey if they get home field, that's a that's still a tough place in January and they know how to win. They people people fold under that type of pressure. Yeah. So I'm I'm not ready to say. I don't know. I don't think they do, but who knows. Uh, but it is amazing. Mahomes has lost two playoff games. They've been both to Brady. And he's uh, his last two losses have been to Brady. Well, yeah. no other than Derek Carr mixed in. Um, so, uh, but pretty unbelievable. Um, the, there's right. also this stat out there, too. I don't know if you had seen this, but, you know, Mahomes was playing in his second Super Bowl. And he had he before he was playing in his second Super Bowl before he's experienced a 10th loss in the NFL. That's insane. It's insane. Unreal. Like they're really like I know Romo was talking about it last night, but like they're like if there is a guy that you think could win more Super Bowls than Brady, it's Mahomes. Absolutely, for sure. But see, this is so. This is what I was thinking. What if Mahomes doesn't win another Super Bowl? Like where do where do we view him at? Like what if he goes to maybe two more or whatever, or maybe he doesn't even maybe he goes to two more and they lose, but he doesn't win another one. Like where is he viewed? As as a as a super as a quarterback or as a player in the NFL, like right now he's crowned as the best quarterback in the NFL, right? Well, like he is right. I and think so, and to... so if he's the best quarterback in the NFL for the next fifteen years, but doesn't win another one, like where where does he? Where's Peyton Manning? Yeah. Like here's the thing. I think we we equate winning and we 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 are too much in a championship culture. I think not saying that. Obviously, that is the end. But when the rings discussion of how, how many rings you have doesn't mean how good a player you are. Correct. So what you just said, like, wouldn't you could probably say Mahomes, if he continues at the rate he's playing right now for the rest for the next 10 to 15 years, he will be the greatest quarterback to ever play the game of football. Yeah. But people won't call him the greatest because he's won one Super Bowl or two Super Bowls. Yeah. They'll call Brady that because Brady has the most rings and was the most accomplished or won the most championships. When we're just talking about greatest quarterback, like Mahomes is the greatest quarterback to ever play in the probably to ever play quarter. I'll say it. Mahomes is the greatest quarterback to ever play the position right now. We're seeing things that nobody else does. We saw him literally be parallel to the ground. There was seed 35 yards. Okay. No one else can do that. Maybe Josh Allen, but he's not the greatest. We've seen Mahomes. He's the greatest quarterback to ever play in the game right now. No, I agree. That's the fact. No, and for the longest time, I always argued that Peyton Manning was a better quarterback than Tom Brady. Because, you know, but but because Brady, like like if Tom, if uh, Peyton Manning plays on the Patriots with Bill Belichick, they probably don't lose a Super Bowl, right? Like I I honestly win as many. 
They win as many, absolutely. But I've always said that Peyton Manning was a better quarterback than Tom Brady. But obviously, because of the rings, because of who he coaches, you know, who his coach was, who he played for, uh, Tom Brady has the numbers and the and the and the rings. So people put him above Peyton Manning. But I would still say that Peyton Manning was a better quarterback than him. Now, obviously, Aaron Rodgers and, and Patrick Mahomes. I think they're one and two, uh, with Mahomes being you know one, Aaron Rodgers being two. I think they're the best two to ever suit up and play quarterback ever in the NFL because of the you know the arm talent, the you know the mobility, everything. So I, I agree where you're saying we when we talk about the greatest, we're talking about championships. And that's why I think LeBron James is the best quarterback or the best uh, player to ever play basketball. He is the best player to ever play basketball yes. because Michael Jordan has the six rings. We equate that to the greatness, which we should. You know, you play to win the game. Shout out Herman. Also, he also had the best team. Like, yeah, like Jordan had the best team. Didn't we just see that in the last dance? Yeah, like they were favored every finals. How many finals has LeBron been favored in? Not a lot. So I agree with what you're saying. It's you get. If someone on Nash, I would have a lot of respect for someone. If they were like, if it was Coward, one of these talking head clowns, if they just said, you know what? Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen play the game of football today. I'd have respect for you for standing on that take and just say, I'm talking about them playing the game of football. I don't care about winning accomplishments or anything. He's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen play the position. Yeah. And that's it. It's just, but we, again, the rings talk screws everything up. Yeah, no, it does. Absolutely. Um, and all right, you want to get to the props? Sure. How was it for you out there yesterday? I heard I, it, I, 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 I got a I got a text from you uh what before kickoff or in the middle of the first quarter? Middle of the before, first quarter, yeah, it was a bloodbath already. Never a text you want to send. <laughs> Especially that early on in the game. Yeah. So obviously, like, you know, I went on my little rant earlier saying uh, if the referee is the one flipping the coin, all <laughs> bets should be null and void. Um, so that obviously lost the again, the uh, the uh, national anthem that loss. So we were we were zero two going into uh, going into the kickoff. Obviously, Mike Evans doesn't score the first touchdown, doesn't score any touchdowns. You I had edge. Yeah. Um, I had Travis Kelsey to score the first touchdown for the Chiefs. Obviously, they don't score any touchdowns. Well, uh, before we keep going, were you not? Well, I mean, he had a chance at the last one. Yeah. But were you just because we had on our prop thing, the KC Chiefs touchdown was like three points or whatever could have changed. But we're like, man, can someone on the Chiefs score so we get this first score on the Chiefs to count? Yeah, exactly. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah, it was. uh it was, like I said, it was it was tough going into it. Um, and then, you know, the whole I had uh, that there would be over two and a half players making a passing attempt. And so I think that would would have been more predicated on if it would have been a closer game. Yeah, I agree. And then same thing with the Scotty Miller over 18 and a half receiving yards. If it's a closer game, I think Scotty Miller gets in there and they try to uh, excuse me. They try to. Uh, you know, sneak him, you know, back behind the, the defense or something like that. So again, I think game flow has a little bit to do with that, but uh, like I said, it was, it was tough. And then the Gatorade. So I, I played two, two Gatorade colors. I played uh clear or water that was uh plus 600. And then the lime green yellow plus three thirty three. And I saw a tip online right before the game started. And all it said was I'm hearing blue. And I was like, and blue was like six fifty. And I was like, man, yeah. do, I go, do I go put some money on blue? I was like, nah, I'm gonna stick with what I got. Guess what color it was? It was blue. It was blue. And so yeah, swing and a miss there. But uh, and then the real thing that I was worried about, which it didn't end up playing out, so I was fine. 
because I had Tom Brady over half a rushing yard. I was like, if he gets that one rushing yard and then they're winning and he goes to kneel it down, I'm going to be pissed. And so, like I said, luckily that didn't happen. Uh, Well, I mean, I guess he was going to, it would have lost either way, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a tough sledding for your boy yesterday. And then I parlayed or excuse me, I teased. We talked about it on, on Thursday. I teased uh, the chiefs to plus three and the under did. So I went one for two there, but unfortunately you got to hit both of them. Yes, you do. Um, all right, so I'll tell you what. Start off with the fun bets. Fun bets are fun when you're writing them down, but when they're not hitting, they're not fun. You're thinking to yourself, why Why did I do this? Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, the uh, the ex- missed extra point, I was predicating it on Harrison Bucker kicking an extra point. He didn't try one, so that was out of that. And then I texted you in the middle of the game. The chains. The chains were not brought out at all, which I also think – that needs to be a close game for the chain gang to come out. Wouldn't you agree? Um, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. So there was one time in the, I think it was late second quarter, early third quarter. It was like a second down, like a second. And it would have been like a third and one or something, maybe a fourth and one. And the guy was down at, it was right at the line of scrimmage. Where, hey, you know what? Maybe we bring out the chain gang. They just gave him the first down. And yeah. I was like, come on. How is that not a measurement? Like, let's let's bring the chains out here. But that lost. Heartbreaker, the Bucks not to score in the first quarter. That was that was a tough one to take. I was like, what they scored? Like a minute left. Yeah. Um, but player props, I was I was solid on Kelsey. Uh had nine, had ten catches, I think. Yeah, so that hit. I had over eight and a half. Ronald Jones. Easy winner there at uh, 37 and a half rushing yards. Lenny, um, over three and a half catches. That was an easy winner. And then I did not, I did not win Ronald Jones over receiving yards. Guy didn't even have a, he had one target, didn't even get a catch. But uh, oh, and then Miko Hardman. I had him in a parlay, so I had Lenny receive receptions and yards uh, over 26 together. And then I did another parlay. With throw Miko Hardman in there with three catches to make it like plus three hundred. Uh-huh. Hardman had two catches, six targets, and I looked at it at like halftime. I was like, "Oh my god, this thing has a chance to hit!" And of course, uh, a couple jinx from the couple people around say, "Oh, Miko's gonna get one catch." I don't think he got a target the rest of the game. Um, and then my last one, I had Mahomes over three hundred passing yards and Kelsey over a hundred yards receiving, and we tried to backdoor that. Uh, Mahomes comes up 30 yards short. I think I was down a little bit. Not it was not a was not what I would call a quote unquote bloodbath. But uh, uh, well, yeah. I'm happy for you. I'm look. I felt bad. It, look, there was a chance. It was it was looking like a bloodbath early on, but then we kind of we kind of rallied there. Uh, but uh, yeah, fun bets not fun when they're not. Uh, not winning. I just can't do the coin toss because I don't want to. I don't want to be down before the game starts. It was funny. Uh, my uh, so I, you know I pick. I, like I said on Thursday, I'm going with tails. Uh, you have to go tails. And uh, my uh, my buddy's father in law, he was there at the house, and I was like, you know, root. I was like, come on, tails, come on, tails. And it was heads. I was like, damn it. 
and he was like, "Oh, what did you get some intel that it was gonna that it's, it was gonna be tails?" He goes, "What was what was your strategy behind that?" And I just looked at him. I said, "Tails never fails." And the look <laughs> on his face of like this dumbass. <laughs> he was like, "That that was it. That was your strategy. Tails never fails." I was like, "Yeah. I mean, how can you go against it?" <laughs> he just kind of was like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, okay, okay." Well, then my my buddy's brother in law, who uh, is married to that guy's daughter you know so it's his son-in-law yeah. he had picked tails as well and uh he was like yeah i saw the stat where like it's the the head side is a little bit heavier so tails comes out like oh 50, my God. like 58 percent of the time he's like so it's like 58 percent that it's tails and the dad was like well see at least there was some thinking behind that <laughs> yeah. i said okay that's fine but when you flip a coin it's still 50 50 like you yes. could you could you could make it oh yeah tails hits 58 percent of the time but once that coin's flipped and it's in the air guess what it's 50 50 so that goes out the window my strategy was just as good as his if not better uh i would agree tails never i did he never hear of tails never fails before i know like come on guy what, what are you almost almost you know you're 50 years old you've never heard tails never fails I know, pretty crazy. Um, all right, one more thing before something else I want to talk about. Uh, I I will say I am credit to Bruce Arians. It took him twenty weeks, but he finally got a mask that he looked good in. I don't know. That looked like it was cut out the circulation. That guy was like a special shade of red. Like I was like, is, is he getting any circulation to his head between the between the uh, the hat, the glasses, the headset, and the mask? I was like, this guy might be he, he might be passing out right now because there's no blood getting to his face. I thought it just looked better. I think he had the N95 white one on it, but he had this one covering it. It just looked better. Because you know how that white one he had, it just looked bad. Yeah. This one, at least the aesthetic, looked better. And I love how he wears the uh, <laughs> the headset and instead of around his waist. How he just throws it around his shoulder. Like, yeah. I'm I'm happy for Bruce Arians. I like Bruce Arians. Um so I'm happy for him that he won. He always said, I know this is crazy, but he always said his dream job was to coach the Cleveland Browns. And I remember after the Colts, he won coach of the year with them with uh, when Chuck Pagano got uh, got uh, had cancer. Yeah. I think obviously the Browns probably had a head coach opening, and I was like, we need to hire Bruce Arians. Like, this guy has made it clear that he wants to coach the Browns. And even when they hired Hugh Jackson, I think he retired. He goes, I'll come out for one spot. I'll coach the Browns. I was like, we have a guy that wants to coach us. They never interviewed him. Never interviewed him. I was just beside myself that why they would never interview Bruce Arians. So I'm happy for uh, happy for Bruce Arians that he finally got the uh, chance to win a Super Bowl. Because he's he's been a solid – look, sometimes he looks wheels off out there. But uh, credit to him. He got the team to win a Super Bowl. And I'm happy for him. All right. Last, lastly, as we wrap up, uh, Ryan, I think we have to talk a little golf. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think we have to. I don't know if you're. I don't know how much you watched or whatever over the weekend, but I will say I think the main storyline out of it is not who won the tournament, but it's about who was in the final group on Sunday and shot a couple over par. Yeah, it's our <sighs> boy. Excuse me, and that is one Jordan Spieth. Yep. But Brooks comes from the clouds on Sunday, makes an eagle on 17. And right before on 16, he birdied 16, I think. I'm pulling up the card. Uh, oh, he parred 16, but he was right in the mix. I was like, man, he was plus like 600 to win. And I was like, no one's really doing anything. I almost bet him to win, but I was like, man, you know what? I think Xander's going to come. He got some easy holes coming. Um, but no, Brooks. Brooks was the winner. And, uh, and, Good for him because he's been struggling a lot, got a new coach. But uh, 
Uh, now, the, did you see the jokes on? You probably didn't see them, but the jokes on Twitter are that Brooks will only win a major or uh, win a golf tournament on a major sporting event Sunday, and that's the Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, that's, that's fine. I, you know, I think I, I want to make the joke uh, when Jordan was in the lead uh, on Saturday. That was like, you know, because obviously he was in in Phoenix, and uh, I know my way around Old Town. Uh, old Town Scottsdale, and I was saying, you know, a lot of times those uh, those Old Town uh, waitresses they can they can help a guy's career out quite a bit, you know, just even if it's just for one weekend. And then it ended up being Brooks, and uh, you know, all respect to Brooks and his his wife. So I didn't want to make that joke as well, but uh, you know, it, you never know what's going to happen out there. Um, yeah, it was a very exciting golf tournament. I don't know if you watched any of it yesterday, but. Uh... I, I did not think Spieth was going to win after on Saturday night after he shot 61. Everyone I was texting, I was like, 61. I was like, at best, he shoots like 70 tomorrow. Just because it's so rare when you get everything so hot, you get everything working, you shoot 10 under. It's really rare for guys to follow that up the next day with, a, with another, not 61, but like another 66 or 5 under. Like, it's really hard to do that. But he was struggling off the tee. He was the he he was the second worst driver of the golf ball in the tournament yesterday, of the whole tournament. He was the second worst driver off the tee. He was the best iron player, and he was like one of the top putters. So, ball striking from tee to green or from uh, approach looks very good. It looks like it's back, but the driver is going to be his arch nemesis, and he made a ton of putts on Saturday, and he didn't make anything on Sunday. So this is going to be speed, but. One thing on the broadcast, like, Spieth is 27 years old. They were talking on Saturday that he's like, oh, this is Spieth back in his heyday. Dude, Spieth's heyday, quote unquote, was three years ago, four years. Like, he's 27 years old. The man, your heyday is not 24 years old when you're 27 or 20, 22 when you're 27. Like, Give it a rest. We're acting like this guy is like just resurrected from the dead. I mean, he kind of did resurrect from the golfing dead, quote unquote. But my God, give it a break. Like, holy smokes here. It's not like he's been struggling, but let's not act like he just stopped playing golf for, for two years or three years. Like calling it the heyday and everything is disgusting. Yeah, I don't have too many feelings on that. You know, if they if that's what they want to say, let them do it. He did. He did move a huge. He move. He made a huge move in the world rankings, though. He was ninety second going into the waste management. Now he's up to a nice sixty ninth. Um, that a boy. But yeah, huge move in the rankings. But he look. Everybody was going nuts, thinking they're going. I never thought he was going to win the tournament, but uh, um, look, it was good to see. It was good to see him back on the leaderboard. See him look like he was enjoying himself out there. Where did where? How did we fare in the uh, the uh, pool? Daniel Berger is dead to us. Did he make the cut? No, he missed it on the number again. Oof. He was two. He was so the cut was two under. He was minus four going into the back nine. So he had two shots cushion to, to make the cut. And he's got 13, which is a birdie hole, 15 birdie hole, 17 birdie hole. He bogey 16. He, he made two bogeys coming in. Didn't birdie any of the holes and missed the cut. Terrible. Hate to see it. Comfy in there. Terrible. Yeah, I know. Hate to see it is right. So we're we're struggling. And it's not I'd rather us like have a guy that missed a cut that like didn't even come close. Rather yeah. than 
these guys, I'm like sweating. I'm watching Shot Tracker shot by shot, and I have the leaderboard up trying to figure out how many guys need the bogey coming in to see if we can make the cut or whatever. But just disappointing from Daniel Berger. Who knows who we're going to take this week out? Maybe we go Spieth, but I, who knows? I don't know. You know, uh, I, I think Spieth is the exact guy you shouldn't go with because he's coming off a good week. He's agreed. probably going to lay an egg next week. I agree. I agree. So who knows? We just need some money. We just need a guy to get like 17th. We just need a guy to make a cut so we can get some cash. Like we had Finale. It's our only guy. We're, we're three for four on missed cuts. Um, and I guarantee you Daniel Berger is going to play great this week because that seems like it's going to be the uh, the trend of everybody. So Daniel Berger, first-round lead, get him at Pebble uh, uh, this weekend. But uh, it was good. Uh, it was really good golf, and Brooks, uh, Brooks won. It is uh, – I, I like – it is – Part of me kind of feels bad for Brooks that like he wants the attention, but he's wouldn't you agree that he's not the main story coming out of this week? Yeah, definitely not. And I like that's got to kind of irk him, but I mean he he Brooks has not been playing good golf at all. Um, it is funny the podcast no laying up by reference like they talked about. So he had missed like three cuts in a row, I think, coming into this. They said last week on their episode that Brooks was the most irrelevant good golfer around. Like, he was down to 14th in the world rankings. And what does he do this week? He shoots 65 on Sunday and wins. So they're like, yep, we really nailed that one. But, uh, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's that guy. Like, you should, everybody should love Brooks. And there's still a faction of the golf, um, golf world out there that doesn't like him. And I do think, I heard someone brought up this point that I do kind of agree with that Brooks. What did you say? Brooks is always a guy like, oh, I don't really practice. I just show up for major weekend. Like I'm too cool for golf, that type of guy. And that kind of rubs people the wrong way. Yeah. Well, now he's turned to the man. I've been practicing so hard. I'm working on my game. Like I've been really working hard on it. So it's good to see all that work pay off. And it's like, Bro, you can't really have it both ways. Do you want to be the cool guy that doesn't really like golf but does it because he makes a lot of money? Or now you're trying to shift to the guy like, well, I'm working really hard at it, and that's good to see like hard work pay off. Like, can't really have it both ways. I mean, but what if he, what if he now he really is working on his game? No. Well, here's the thing. I don't think the whole I only practice for majors was true. Uh-huh. He's always been working hard on his game. You can't – like – Guys have always said that he's out there working hard. They're like, yeah, you can't find him to play a money game to play golf, which I don't I don't doubt that. But he would go out there and practice for three hours a day and and get on with his day. He's not going to go play nine holes or 18 holes every day, but he's going to go out and practice for three hours a day. He just has a different way of practicing. And grinding on the range for three hours is a long time, and working on your game for three, four hours a day is a grind. And he's working hard, but he also – came off as like oh well yeah that's that's what i do but now he's like man i've been working so it's 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 i think he was putting it as a facade to show off like i'm i'm actually i really do care about my craft and everything yeah and that's where it could be at. all right do you have anything else before we wrap up i think that's all i got whoa how about this oh um one more thing the shocking death of pedro gomez last night oh i know yeah very I know. sad news very sad news Always enjoyed his work. Obviously, he's an Arizona guy, a Phoenix guy. But in the middle of the Super Bowl, that was a shocking, shocking development. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It, uh, I agree. Yeah. He was, he was, a he was a favorite of mine, uh, favorite of a lot of people's. His, his son was a U of a, uh, baseball player. Um, and, uh, you know, he lived in the, in the Phoenix area. You could always see him at, at diamondback games when he wasn't working. Uh, but yeah, very sad. Um, you know, they said it was unexpected obviously, and they, you know, they haven't released how or why, but it's, uh, yeah, very, very sad, very shocking. And, you know, they, they say this a lot, you know, baseball writers obviously always get a bad rap because they're a bunch of losers and dorks, but he was one of the good guys. Yes. Baseball writers do, they do get a lot of, they do get a lot for, uh, being losers and dorks, but I'd say most baseball writers are nice people. I'm sure, I'm sure they are, but, uh, just losers and dorks. Pedro was very nice. And then finally, since you brought up baseball writers being losers and dorks, we didn't talk about it, but we talked about it with the Hall of Fame. We didn't mention him, Tom Verducci, in his essay, whatever. Oh, that was, that was, yeah, that was. Uh... Well, the Trevor Bauer I'm signing with the Dodgers essay is might even breed more self-importance to who you really are. Yeah. Did you see that video? I did. No, yeah, of course I did. Major eye rolls for me the whole time. Major, major eye rolls. Like, bro, just, you want to be this superstar pitcher. Like, he wants to be on the, the Wheaties boxes or in the in the promo ads be in the face of the game just you're not you just deal with it just deal with it you're not you're probably not a good guy at all either because we could go screenshot some tweets from 2016 and see some anti-semitic stuff up there so people don't forget that stuff so you're probably just not a nice guy and uh you're a good pitcher but your self-importance and who you think you are in the game of baseball not really that high up there credit to you for getting 40 million but let's let's maybe Figure out where we are in the totem pole. The next big game that Trevor Bauer pitches will be his first. He's pitched in the World Series. And how'd it go? He was, he gave up two runs, I think, in like five innings. <laughs> still, the next, I still, Trevor Bauer has never done anything. You can't to me. say he's pitched, he pitched in a World Series game, okay? That's okay, great, great, fantastic. Hat tip to Trevor Bauer. But he has never he's never put on a performance where it's like, wow, this guy is electrifying. He is a very, very good pitcher. What he's in the upper he is in the upper echelon of pitchers, and that's why he was able to get 40 million. But I am just so anti-Trevor Bauer because of just the like like you said, he wants to be this polarizing figure. He wants to be this guy. And it's just it just comes off very fake. It comes off like uh, we we've made the, the the comparison before he he's the, he's the Deschambeau of of baseball where you know at least Deschambeau's won you know a couple things and uh it's just i i i i can't stand Trevor Bauer uh, you know we'll see i think the Dodgers are set up in a good spot now with that rotation that rotation's going to be sick they're going to have to duke it out with the Padres but i still the next big game i, I still I, I will repeat again the next big game Trevor Bauer pitches will be his first whether he p- pitched a game 3 in the world series or not whatever it was um he he hasn't had that lights out, uh, jaw dropping, awe inspiring performance uh, I mean, in he, baseball yet. This year in the wild card game, he went seven and two thirds of an inning. Seven and two thirds had two allowed two hits and struck out twelve. Didn't walk a single guy, and they lost one nothing. Yeah, see, a good pitcher wins that game. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you just got nothing on that one. I, what a good pitcher wins that game. It's a, it's the the wild card game. 
They, this year when they allowed 12 teams to make the playoffs from both sides, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be uh, on inspired and have my John the ground. Cause you pitched well in the wild card game. It's, it's a, are you going to, are you going to be uh, excited when somebody drops 30 points in, in the NCAA play in game? No. Cause that's exactly what the world wild card he, game is. They lost one to nothing. He gave up two base runners and seven and two thirds of an inning in the wild card game. Fantastic. It's a playoff game. It's a glorified play in game. I gave you numbers in the okay game one of the ALDS six and two thirds innings two hits eight strikeouts they win the game four nothing okay against the Yankees again again yeah absolutely agreed so he's so he's doing everything that a big pitcher should be doing that's great he but he still hasn't had that performance where it's like this is a dude this is the guy he did in the wild card game of game one of this year that's it's a wild card game the wild card game is a is a is a is a like i said is a glorified playing game he until he goes out and wins a game seven of a championship league series or or you know a clinching game of a world series he's not going to get my respect for being this big time dude he is a very very good pitcher he is again agree yeah guys win the Young all the time that don't pan out to be very good you know, towards the end of their career or, or, or soon after that, that's fine. You're saying that I'm thinking that Trevor Bauer is a bum. I don't think that at all. He is a very, very good pitcher. And I think he probably deserved the big contract he got, but still, again, I don't think that he is the guy that if I have to win one baseball game, he's probably way down the list of guys that I'm selecting to start that game for me. Well, obvious. would you take him on the Yankees? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, they they have zero pitching. Well, there you go. That's a question there. I mean, that doesn't that's not saying a lot though. I was excited because we signed Corey Kluber. That is true. (laughs) So, um, you're just you're just you're giving you're not. I don't think you're giving the wild card game in a best of two in a best of three series of you keeping your team in and not blowing it out. It's still the playoffs. I'm looking, for, I'm looking for big-time performances in big-time spots. The wild card doesn't do it for me. Okay, whatever. All right. All right. All right, we'll end it there. We'll talk to everybody. Elvis uh, Andrews? Huh? Elvis Andrews? Oh, yeah. That's a – look, good for them for getting out of that contract. Yeah. But Chris Davis, what's he do? What is he? He's going to hit 30 bombs and hit 247. Is he? I mean, that's what he does. That is. But he didn't he have a big regression last year? I think he regressed. Well, I mean, they played 60 games. No, but I'm saying like even uh, even worse than uh, what are you doing? Well, 2019 is what I was thinking. Of. He had he went he had 23 home runs in 133 games and batted 220. Last year he had two bombs in 30 games. He only played half the season. Like he is. 2018 obviously was his peak when he had 48 home runs. So we need to find, they need to find that uh, 2018 form um, and not the 2019 form. But uh, yeah. look, they, they got out of that contract. That was the big thing. Definitely going to be, a, it's obviously, Elvis was the leader of the team. You probably had to figure he was going to lose. He was going to, they were trying to trade him when they said that, oh, we're not going to play him at shortstop this year. So we're taking that out of him. So you're like, okay, maybe he's going to play third base. What's he going to do? Uh-oh. But uh, look, for getting out of that contract and getting – Chris Davis is a fine – he's the epitome of boomer bust. But, uh, again, what are the Rangers really going to be this year? Yeah, bottom dwellers. 
yes, this this signals like a full teardown. And Elvis was he was the last guy on those World Series teams, I think, on the team. Um, so at a point there has to be some cleansing of the palate, and that's what they that's what they've done. But it's always tough when your franchise face of the franchise gets traded, even though when you're uh, going for a bottom feeder, he's been a great soldier for the uh, for the Rangers. Yeah. You have anything? What do you have on the trade? No, I, I I think like you said, good on them for getting rid of that contract. Now the next thing is to try to find a way to get rid of Rugi's contract. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, this is this is going to be a teardown. And I want to see. I'm interested to see how far this teardown goes. You know, it is does Gallo is he the building block or is he a guy that they trade away to try to get some some young guys in to uh, complete that teardown? So it'll be interesting to see there. They bring Delano Shields back. Um, and so like I said, I just, I'm just interested to see how far this teardown goes and if they find that guy to build around or if they're just going to be these bottom dwellers for the next five or six years. I think they need to trade Gallo. He's the only asset that you're going to get pieces on. Like you're going to get good potential prospects. On. I He's think whoever only- takes Gallo is probably the The Rangers are going to try, try to pair him with, with Rugi. Well, then they just say, "Why do we want Rugi?" You don't. You can try and pair, but that doesn't mean they're gonna. They're gonna go for that. Right. Here's the thing: if you pair him with Rugi, you're you're diminishing what you get the value. Him, yeah, you're diminishing the value of Gallo. Yeah, big time. So he's yeah, your so guy. Maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. So he's the guy that can bring you back something of, of decent value. And and then you know this is gonna be Gallo's sixth year in the league. I know. He's 27. Um, man, but he's the guy that can bring you something back. And you're going to attach. You just have to deal with Odor. Like, you're just going to have to deal with it. If you're a bottom feeder, you know what? You just have to deal with Odor. And say, you know what? We just got to we gotta deal with it. And if you cut him, you cut him, you eat the salary. But you're not going to. I don't think you try and pair him with a Gallo with a Gallo at a trade. Yeah. But all right, that's going to do it for us here on the short thing this uh, first Monday of February. I will say, look, I'm off today from work. Might need to take the day after Super Bowl off from now on. Yeah, I thought about it. I took Friday off, but I thought about doing it. Oh, you Monday did? Well. Yeah. Um, this is a nice, it's, it's nice. Don't hate it. Don't hate it. Don't, yeah. don't hate have a day off. It's a nice, nice thing to have. But all right, we'll talk to everybody on Thursday.